couple of things about what we talked about who is the Holy Spirit in the last bit, right? Now we're talking about what does the Holy Spirit do. So um, I'll just say this first little bit about what the Holy Spirit does, because I think we're all aware of this. So he introduces us to faith in Christ. He introduces us to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us. John says that, Gospel of John, and who convicts us of sin and who shows us what righteousness looks like, chapter 16. So it's the Spirit that's stirring up. And by the way, I, I did evangelism for a megachurch for a long time, and it was always a great comfort to me that we never started anything. It was always like this Holy Spirit's already working out there, and you just get an assignment to participate in what's already happening. That takes care of a lot of fear, mostly. Um, so the story of Nicodemus in John 3 is a story of a Pharisee coming, a religious teacher coming to see Jesus at night because he couldn't do it during the day. It's too risky for him. And he says, hey, we know you're a teacher of God. Um, you have signs and wonders that you're doing from God. And, and Jesus just cuts to the chase, just cuts to the bottom line. And he says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. A man, um, and Nicodemus is a little slow, he was like, well, how does an old person get born again? Does enter the mother's womb again? You got to go through the whole birth process. And, and Jesus says, no, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Um, and then he says, you should not be surprised about this. The wind blows where it blows. Um, so it's the Holy Spirit that draws, is the active agent in drawing us toward faith in Christ. Now, I grew up in a home where I was in church three times a week, twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday night. It's part of the youth group, raised in the church, loved the church. I've loved the church all my life. I've never had a problem, well, I've got a lot of problems with the church, but I've always been a part of the church. And um, even that, being raised in the family, I felt the Holy Spirit draw me into personal faith. And so uh, I want us to understand that it's this person, the Holy Spirit, who is interacting with you and drawing you into faith, however that happened, whatever the context, whatever the timing, whatever it was. Some of you in this room have stories where you resisted that invitation, ignored that invitation, misunderstood that invitation, but the Spirit continued to pursue you. And so part of what the Holy Spirit does is initiate us into relationship with God. Now, the first thing that the Holy Spirit says when he begins to work in us is to tell us about how much God loves you. Because that's foundational. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but come to everlasting life. John talks about that in the third chapter, right? So John's telling us it's because God loves you that Christ comes. This is part of God's great salvation plan. And the Holy Spirit now, that Jesus is God, is the one who draws us in. So we know this up here. Back to the head stuff. You've heard it all your life. You've heard countless sermons from Tim, Pastor Tim here on this, making this point. So you got it up here. But do you have it here? Do you believe it? for yourself? Do you experience that? So we're going to do a little exercise here. 
and it's going to require all of you to get on your feet. And we're going to form a circle. The circle's going to, what are the arc? Come right around here. Let's get up here. Get next to someone, if you can, that you're somewhat comfortable with, because it's going to get personal. We're not talking about touching or anything like that, but, okay, I'm sorry, you guys. We'll talk later. Get together. Let's form a circle. Come on, come on, come on forward. Come on forward. This is going to require, this is going to require, and we need to close the circle so we can't have gaps. Okay. Closer to him. Keep coming, keep moving, keep coming. Keep moving, closer, closer still, closer still. Bingo. We have formed a circle. I'm almost tempted to call it a day, not press it any further. Okay. Tim, you're going to be my guinea pig. Okay, now, this is way simple, way, way simple. Don't be deceived. Two, pay attention to how you experience what we're about to do. All I'm asking you about is, what do you experience? Three, honor the space here. <laughs> honor the exchange that's going to happen all the way around this room because it's going to be a, it's a holy moment. And watch what happens as this goes, what we do, goes around the circle as a group. Understand what I'm saying? You with me? Okay. This is what we're going to do. So Tim, come out here a minute. I'm going to turn to Tim, as we just did. And I'm going to put my hand on his shoulder with his permission. And by the way, if you're going guy to girl or girl to guy, ask permission to touch them. And I'm going to say... Tim, I'm going to look him in the eye. I'm not looking over his shoulder. I'm not looking at my shoes. We're talking about the Holy Spirit presence in Tim and in me. And we're going to affirm a foundational fact that's so simple, you're going to go, that's it, and that is it. I'm going to say, Tim, God loves you. Tim pauses. And then Tim says back to me, Stephen. Stephen. God loves me. God loves me. <laughs> Pause. Because the weight of that statement needs to come. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you go, God loves me, God loves me, God loves you, God loves me, God loves you. You haven't even received anything. You've just blown through the whole thing. Yeah. It's in the pause where you feel it's subtle. And we're uncomfortable with pauses, so you'll feel that too. Then I say the second time, Tim, God really loves you. Then I repeat that. And Tim pauses, and he says, Stephen. Stephen, God really loves me. And I wait. And then I say, Tim, God really, really loves you. Eyeball to eyeball. You pause and you say back to me. Stephen, God really, really 
loves me. Yep. And then Tim turns to the next individual, and you told me your name, and I forgot. Doug. Doug, and he does the same thing, and we go around the circle that way. Now, here's the temptation if you get anxious. You rush. You laugh. I'm not going to judge anything. Uh, people handle it in a different way, but in the rushing, that means I'm uncomfortable with this. I'm having trouble receiving this, and I want to get through it as fast as, you can, as I can. I'm an introvert. I said hi to Carolyn last night when I came to her house, and I went in and I closed the door. <laughs> Time to recharge. I didn't come out and say I had good morning to her this morning. Okay. So understand, for those of you who feel shy and introverted, I get it. That's my world. We're going to go around the circle, and what I want you to do is feel what happens, see what happens to this group when we affirm God's love for us as an individual and as a group of people. Got it? Three times. God loves you, and then you add the word really. Second really time. Really. And then you go really, really. You're just going like you're emphasizing it. God loves you. God really loves you. God really, really loves you. And what we're driving for here is not more head knowledge. We're driving toward what does that feel like when you hear somebody tell you that God loves you. And you own it. And you receive it. Okay, so we're going to start with Tim, and we'll go this way. We'll go Doug. Uh, start with Doug and Tim, and we'll go that way, and it'll come full circle. You wrap it up with, with Tim, okay? I'm going to just stand here, drink coffee, and listen, and watch what happens. And I'm looking for, just before we start, when does the Holy Spirit show up for you? When does the Holy Spirit begin to be a shared experience as a group? You with me? Okay. Doug, God loves you. I'm going to get out of the way. God loves you. God loves you. God really loves you. God loves you. He's got a magic hug. <laughs> <laughs> that I'll use it like, mm -hmm. yeah. What else did you notice? A lot of people were silent. Good observation. Mm -hmm. There was a physical response, again, with a smile. By the way, your body reacts to what's going on in your heart. There's joy. It shows up in a smile. For those of us who have smiles, I don't, but... What else did you notice? Anything else? Just to stay facades. here. Facades coming down. Facades coming down. Great observation as well. Felt very real, didn't it? Anything else? Did you feel? Go ahead. There were a lot of people physically opening their hearts for them. Mm-hmm. You can see it, can't you? When somebody opens up their heart their life to receive that truth, you can see it on them. Good observation again. Did you feel this thing build as it went around the circle? Mm -hmm. It's the power of community sharing God's love. It just grew in depth, in breath, and in energy, even though we are whispering. But it 
it just continued to build. Okay, let me say two things. And then I don't know what we're going to do. I'll go back and see. Um, we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does. But how we demonstrate the Holy Spirit it depends entirely on who you understand yourself to be. Not just what God's given you in terms of skills and personality. I want you young people to particularly hear this because you're in identity formation mode right now. How the Spirit demonstrates and works through you depends entirely on how you identify yourself. And there's a lot of energy in this culture about your life is your own canvas. But it doesn't carry the day. What does carry the day is I'm a beloved child of God. That'll get you through a lifetime. If that's how you understand who you are. And that's what we are doing. Who are you? I'm a person who's loved by God. That's who I am. It doesn't matter what I do. Well, it matters what you do, but my identity is not what I do. How the Spirit demonstrates depends on who you are, and who you are is a beloved son and daughter of God. Two sentences, that's it's worth the whole day. Yeah. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of like, giftings a little bit and what the spirit does but if you don't understand that the way forward really just doesn't amount to much if we go on with the spirit and there's a lot of people in churches who are talking about how they're anointed drawing attention to their giftings seeking to draw attention to their giftings, powering uh, ministry through their own efforts, and it doesn't build a kingdom, and it doesn't satisfy. Holy Spirit comes alive as he did in this room when we affirm the love of God. That's the foundation. Yeah. And we need to be reminded of it. So... We talked about, because of God's love for you, I mean, there is a physical mark on Jesus' body. And, but there's also a mark on our souls. Uh, Satan knows exactly who you belong to. And the world knows who you will belong to because the presence of God is there. I, I often say that people can smell genuine caring a half mile away. I think they lift their nose and go, somebody's getting cared for somewhere. I think we are so desperate to find people who care about us genuinely that you can smell it a half mile away. The mark of God's love in our lives is a wonderful fragrance, and it's, people are seeking it and instinctively drawn to it. But now let's move into a little bit of discussion, and we'll finish this up as we come back from lunch and uh, have some prayer time. But... He provides the Holy Spirit uh, supernatural 
power to imitate Christ. And the last little bit is important. Not supernatural power to draw attention to ourselves, to our church, but to allow us to look Christ-like, which is the point, and to draw people into the kingdom of God, which is the point. And so um, it says in Ephesians 5, be imitators of Christ, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and live a life of love. Notice that it says, <clears throat> be imitators of Christ, make sure your morality and your ethics are lined up. And that's certainly part of it. But so often, that's what I got from church growing up. Make sure you look and behave this way. Behavior is important. Making good choices are important. But where Paul drives this, as dearly loved children, live a life of love. Know that your life, know that you're loved, live a life of love. That's how we imitate Christ. And ethics follows through that because you're motivated to do that. That's why. You were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light, full of the fruit of the light. Uh, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Don't you want to please somebody who loves you dearly? Isn't that, what to, isn't that instinctively what we want to do? And so it's not something that we should do in terms of living a holy life, living a life of good morality, um, serving others. Um, I, actually, I actually say, don't live a life where you're shooting on yourself. It doesn't count much. I usually get a laugh there. Yeah, it was awkward, awkward. Guys, <laughs> we're in church and you just said, sure don't shoot on yourself. Don't. And there's nothing that comes out of it if you're living a life like, I should do this. But if you're motivated by love and I'm imitating Christ, then it naturally rolls out of, out of who you are. That's what people notice. They don't notice somebody who's doing it because, well, I should. And you really, I don't like anybody who's serving me because they feel like they have to. So um, Holy Spirit transforms us to look like, the Holy, uh, like Jesus. This is how it works. And then the Holy Spirit enables us to act like Jesus uh, and to do what Jesus did. And this is where we're going in terms of how, how does the Spirit demonstrate to our lives. He, he, first of all, transforms us to look like Jesus through his love. And then he gives us the power and giftings to demonstrate, to act like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did. All for the sake of growing the local church? Well, sure. I mean, that should be an outcome of that, but also, more importantly, to um, demonstrate the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God has arrived, the kingdom of God is near. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come, and it's not fully come, it's not fully here, but Jesus healed people. He did signs and wonders. He preached the gospel. He loved people. He raised folks from the dead because the kingdom of God was breaking in, and now that mission has been empowered to us, given to us. It blows my mind. Jesus entrusted us with that, but he's given us the spirit and able to do that. So that's, he is enabling us to act like Jesus. Okay, so um, listen to these verses. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone, you, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. Let me read that again. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I like to say when we come, when we come to Jesus, we actually become human. 
we become human again. We come back, go back to the garden, become the person that God has made us to be. And we are people of flesh, but a heart that's rightly aligned with God and with Christ. Write that down, Ezekiel 36, 26. Let's write down Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because through Christ, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The law in our life now is the law of love. And so, yes, it demonstrates itself in ways that fulfill what God was giving to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Love your neighbor. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't covet. Those are good things. But be motivated by the heart of Christ. Romans 8 9. You, however, are controlled not by a sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And the, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give you, here we go, life in your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. We are transformed. We just celebrated it with Easter. And while we have choices to sin or not sin, the Holy Spirit enables us to make good choices, to see, to discern, to understand what are the better choices, and to move toward righteousness. So there's a lot of things here. Let me just give you one more. Romans 12, 12. There's an active and passive voice if you're into Greek, which I'm sure most of you are. But um, <laughs> it says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. There's an active voice of work done to us. That's Jesus. Uh, by the subject, I'm sorry. Uh, there's an active voice of the work done by us. Do not be conformed. Choose to not conform and act like the world. The passive voice is work that's done on, from Christ on us. Be transformed as we disengage from the world, disengage from the way the world thinks, society, culture, peer groups, who are not following Jesus, as we disengage from that and engage in God, the Holy Spirit transforms us by renewing our minds and enabling us to hear and to respond to the voice of God. That's the work that the Spirit does. And it's usually incrementally. In our church, we talk about following Jesus as left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. It's one step at a time. Every day you go like, oh, okay, I choose to step toward Christ, be open to spirit, and then it's left foot. And then it's right foot. And you start piling that up over days, months, years. You start developing a long history of journeying with Jesus, and you look at then how you have been changed incrementally into uh, Christ-likeness over time. That's the motivation. That's the invitation. So God, through spirit, transforms us We've heard this all before, but it's still true. And so the crucified Christ enables us to connect with God. The Spirit comes to live within us. The fruit of the Spirit begins to change. The fruit of the Spirit begins to emerge, and giftings as well. Um, let me tell you a couple of baptism stories. So uh, 
for a long time I did evangelism in our church and um, and simulation and pretty much everything else the church told me to do. But um, I would listen to stories. People would say, I sat in the auditorium and heard a call to receive Christ and I felt like the sermon was speaking directly to me. I've even had people say I stood in that parking lot of the church and could sense God's presence. Always, that always fascinated me. The lobby, the preached word, the worship set, and felt touched and seen by God and drawn toward God. And so they would talk about their life before Christ, and then we talk about their encounter with Christ, and then we talk about what's changing. And a lot of times what you would hear from people is, well, you know, I'm still struggling with sin patterns. I'm still struggling with uh, a tough relationship. I'm still uh, working through um, things that are unhealthy for me. But you would always hear something about following their conversion to Christ. You'd say, follow, hear something that was indicating the Spirit is now within. For instance, um, somebody would say, you know, um, I used to not care about anybody, and now I'm in work and I'm actually caring about my coworkers who I can't stand. Where did that happen? You know, Christ moved in. And while there's a lot of growth that yet needs to happen, that transformation begins to, to demonstrate itself. Um, you hear people who felt like I had no, what you were talking about in a circle, like I didn't feel like I mattered in the world, I didn't feel like I was seen, valued, I'm coming from a broken past where nobody really said that they loved me or communicated that to me. Never heard my father say, I'm proud of you. Never saw, heard my, uh, I, was, I could never please my parents by what I did. And now here is God saying, I love you. And you know what? While I've got a lot of healing yet to do, I have peace. Doug was talking about peace in that experience here. You always see something immediately of the Spirit moving forward into that new life in Christ. And it's happening for those of us in this room who have been doing it for decades. Decades. Still following Christ. Still transforming. God loves you. He's transforming you. And here's where I want to go. What we're talking about here and in praying about this afternoon will not go anywhere. You will not dare to take a risk. You will not be able to move out of your comfort zone. You will not um, be open to having a paradigm shift and grow further in terms of the Holy Spirit is unless you are convinced that you're loved by God. It just doesn't happen. Because you're going you're gonna to keep the walls up and you're going to keep this posture. You're not getting to me, Stephen Van Dopp, whoever you are. And I know you too, Tim, because you brought him in. You're not getting to me, you know. You're going to hold tight and you're going to go, oh, it's too risky. But when you know that there's nothing, that the one who loves you and watches out for you and has your back is not going to hurt you not going to harm you, not going to put make, is not out to embarrass you, to make you look foolish, but to bring life because he loves you. Now you've got the tools to go like, okay, I'm going to open up a little bit more. I'm going to embrace you a little bit more. So what Tim's experiencing at Reach when he comes in after this week are kids or young adults who have begun to go like, oh, I think I really do believe and experience God loves me. And now I'm going to look at some deep wounds. I'm open. Yeah. Now I'm going to let God into, into those deep places where I need healing. Or I've been being called and invited to demonstrate the kingdom of God in some way, shape, or form, but I've never dared to. I've been too afraid. And all of a sudden they go like, you know what? I'm going to kind of step into that.
Or they're going like, I've always desired this, but I've never asked God because I was afraid he wouldn't give it to me because I think God is like all-powerful being, you know, who just says, I'm keeping you under my thumb for the rest of my life because I'm God, you're not. And while he's sovereign and in control, he loves you. And so you go like, you know what? Maybe the desire that's in my heart for something is actually put there, listen to this, by the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's not my selfish being that's speaking to me. Maybe it's my transformed being. And it's the Spirit saying, you don't ask because you don't have because you don't ask. How about that? Now, it takes a little discernment. Is that me or is that the Holy Spirit? And, you know, I'm working on that still. But when you know God loves you, is looking out for you and is inviting you to partner with him in the world and you have a desire, you go like, hmm. Maybe I ought to embrace this desire because it's Holy Spirit driven. But you never get to that part until you know God loves you. You got that? Have I said it enough? Yeah, it's because we all have to hear it. Power to disbelieve in ourselves is that into that love is huge. It's huge. It's huge. Okay. Really, I mean that's the best part of the whole day, right there. I'm just going to keep hammering on it all afternoon anyway, so come back for more after lunch, but it is lunchtime. And uh, you're the first church I've taken my sweater off and worn my t-shirt, white t-shirt. I'm good if it's got color, but when it's white, I don't do that. That's a boundary for me. <laughs> like, I don't know, a t-shirt's a t-shirt, a t-shirt, but it's like, no, it's, it's got to be black or gray before I wear it or I have a print on it, but, you know, this is Sunday. Anyway. If, you want, if you're more comfortable, we can give you a Gateway t-shirt. Well, and maybe you should schedule some counseling for me too, Tim. I don't know what the hang-up is for me there, but I do have a hang-up. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, Tim, you have the directions for how, what happens next over lunch. So. What happens at lunch, Doug? Does that mean we can eat? There is something to that too, Tim. God likes to be thanked. <laughs> Get it. Thank you for the food that's been provided, Lord, and for humor. It's nice to be able to laugh as brothers and sisters together. Uh, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you where you have led us and where you will be leading us this afternoon. Thank you for this church, for its faithful witness, um, and we thank you for the space and time. <laughs> Uh, to consider the things of the Spirit as brothers and sisters. Bless the food, strengthen our bodies. We're grateful for it, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.